0: Good afternoon, everyone. Here's uh, Paul Meeks for the debut show on Benzinga. We're going to be doing a tech tune-up. So before we go too far, let me tell you a little bit about my background. So first of all, you know, I'm an old-timer. They put me uh, on the air on Benzinga because everybody else is about a third of my age and I need to boost the older demographic. But I have been exclusively a tech analyst, all tech, all the time either an equity analyst, portfolio manager, research director, chief investment officer at a variety of firms, but exclusively covering the tech sector. And of course, I was fortunate to be pushed down that path because tech obviously drives the market, right? There are 11 economic sectors that comprise the S&P 500. Tech is by far and away the largest weighted 30%. And even the two sectors that are tied for number two are only at 13% and that's healthcare and financials. So when I got out of grad school in 1992, I was working at a money management firm and I was sitting in a research bullpen with the rest of the knuckleheads. And I think everybody was away at lunch and I was the only one there. And a portfolio manager came in and asked me to do some work on Intel, the semiconductor company. I did not know what I was doing. It was complete happenstance, but I wrote a report recommended buying it. The stock went up again. That was a joke on my part. And then a bunch of people thought I was a tech guru. And of course I parlayed that over time, spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley meeting every day with CEOs and CFOs of these companies. And so maybe I started as a fraudster, but I definitely know what I'm doing now. And I've been on air talking tech on CNBC every week since 1995. And I'm on other networks as well. And some, not even in the United States. So I'm pretty uh, pumped with Benzinga. I've been following it, the content there for a long time. I think we can do some cool things. So next thing I want to do is uh, introduce the show. All right, This is Tech Tune Up with Paul Meeks. That would be me. And uh, it's a cruel Irony that they call somebody like me meeks because definitely not meek at all. So please don't say that. Those are fighting words. So we're going to have this show at two o'clock Eastern every Friday afternoon. That's convenient because we can wrap up the uh, activities for the week and then forecast the next and even beyond. But I want this show to be no holds barred. One of the things that bothers me when I'm on other networks and even when I'm interviewing other folks, is they are always restrained in what they say. Sometimes they're restrained by the regulators. Sometimes they're restrained by the money management firms they are working for. And so the way I look at it is you don't get a lot of value added, you know, repeating, regurgitating the news from last night. Let's have a little analysis. And you know what? the answer to some of this analysis will be that company sucks. And so I'm not beholden to any investment bankers, any money management firm, uh, any other regulator, though, of course everything is properly disclosed here on Benzinga, but this is a show. Call them as you see them. Sometimes the news is gloomy and sometimes I'll make people ecstatic and sometimes I'll piss them off but I've always wanted to do that without uh, the restraints. And then also uh, have a show where we get into, deep into the weeds with stock stories. You know, that's my forte in the tech sector and come out of every program with some actionable ideas, right, not spin, but some actionable ideas. So the first thing I wanna do is get to the matter at hand, right, the biggest news this week are the tech attorneys. Uh, tech earnings, right? So specifically, last night, three of the mega cap stocks, the Magnificent Seven, reported their results. They were Meta, and Amazon, and Apple. So Meta is the one that is the highlight today. And you know, you don't really care if they earned five dollars and thirty-three cents last uh, quarter, which they reported last night. Doesn't really matter. What you need to know is that Wall Street was only expecting $4.83 and that the stock is up 23% today. The analysis tells you why and where it's going, not regurgitating the news. The big part of the meta story, and this really blows me away, I haven't seen anything uh, this successful in a long period of time, is that a year ago, so in 2023, they had this uh, much lauded a year of efficiency. That was the quote from CEO and founder Mark Zuckerberg. And I feel badly for some people because during their year of efficiency, they fired about a quarter of the workforce. So that happened last year. This year, revenues are still robust. Engagement is still high, yet their uh, operating costs have been much, much, much lower than revenue growth And they just reported a quarter last night in which their operating margin was 41% versus only 20% a year ago. That is unbelievable. And so the stock has had an explosive move ever since late October. And I think it's going to go even higher. I don't know if I buy a stock up 23% on the day. But I see where Wall Street has come out after this positive earnings surprise last night with their forecast for the March quarter and for the rest of 2024, I think that they're way too low. I think they're gonna to continue to not just meet the numbers, beat the numbers and the stock, believe it or not, even up 23% today can go much, much higher. In one year operating margin going from 20% to 41%, that is incredible. The next is Amazon. I give them a, a pretty good score. You know, the story with Amazon is not its e-commerce business. Uh, Their e-commerce business in the United States only has a 6% operating margin. Their e-commerce business internationally actually posts a loss. All the excitement is in their cloud infrastructure business, AWS, Amazon Web Services. And you want to see that grow because Amazon Web Services has a 30% operating margin versus the domestic e-commerce business at 6%. And so another thing that's interesting about Amazon Web Services because of its superior operating margin, that business segment, it is only 16% of Amazon's total sales, but 54% of the contribution to operating profit. So last quarter reported last night, their cloud revenues, Amazon Web Service revenues were up 13% from the same quarter a year ago. That was a little bit of an acceleration from the prior quarter. And so people were glad to hear that they were relieved because some folks going into Amazon's quarter were expecting a miss, but I will tell you this, the reason I'm not as bullish on Amazon as Meta is yes, they grew their cloud business 13% year to year. Yes. It was in line with expectations, but it's competitors in that space, Microsoft Azure, grew 28% year to year, currency adjusted, and Alphabet slash Google grew their business 26%. So unfortunately, over the last couple of years, because this has been a trend, Amazon in that key area is still growing pretty robustly, but unfortunately, it's losing a lot of share, foremost to Microsoft, secondarily to Google. The last company, which is everybody's favorite, but not mine, is uh, Apple. You know, Apple is lucky to be only flat today with their announcement last night. I mean, Apple finally grew its uh, revenues year to year, long last, they grew at 2%, but this was after four quarters in a row in which they shrank. I don't care how much cash flow you generate, how cool your products are, how great your brand is, you're not a tech company unless you grow your sales. And maybe the company is so mature that they're not going to grow at a uh, fast rate anymore. So I think Apple is uh, very expensive based on what it's done in the last year or so and its forecast and its forecast for the quarter ended March 31 was a little bit of a downer. They actually said don't expect much from the iPhone. And the problem with that for Apple and its investors is the iPhone is 60% of sales. Also, they have a problem in greater China. They call the region greater China. So it also includes Hong Kong. In that region, which is pretty important for them, revenues declined 13% year to year. And they have a real risk because with the bad relations between the U S and China, Apple is in a bind. First of all, they manufacture a lot of hardware there. Second of all, They depend on that market to sell their iPhones. And here is a situation where I'm worried a little bit about the supply chain, particularly if there's even more nasty rhetoric towards China as we go into the presidential election in November of 24. And also there are a couple of pretty dominant Chinese phone makers that at long last are starting to take share in their home market from Apple. In the meantime, Apple's pretty expensive. I was looking today for the stock to hold a very key technical level of $182 a share. And it looks like right now trading at 186, it will hold that support because if it's going to break through $182 a share, it is going much, much lower. But regardless, uh, Apple, even though it's the world's largest market cap stock is not on my buy list. So, let me move to some of the other companies, the mega caps, the rest of the Magnificent Seven, that reported earlier this week, specifically on Tuesday night again, kind of a mixed scorecard. I thought uh Microsoft was terrific, right They grew their cloud business, Microsoft Azure, thirty percent uh before currency adjustment twenty eight percent after the currency boost, but still kicking amazon a w s s and even growing a little bit better than Google Cloud. And of course, they have a lot of uh, AI mojo, right? They own 49% of open AI. The only thing that disappointed me with Microsoft's results is they have a AI product, Windows for Copilot. And it is essentially integrating open AI technology. This is going to be their go forward app. They hope everybody in the enterprise followed by all of their retail consumers buy this product. But one of the things is last night, uh, Satya Nadella, the CEO, gave some pretty cool use cases, stories, examples, but did not quantify the take up on the ramp of Copilot. And you know what? If you have good news to share, you share it. And so I think uh, hiding that makes me a little bit worried. And I will tell you this, not just for Microsoft, but for the entire AI community, if Copilot is not a winner this year, then people are gonna say, well, AI is cool. I need AI, but it's gonna be like an electric utility. It's gonna be ubiquitous, but I'm not gonna make money off of it. I'm a little bit worried about that. Right now in the early stages of AI, we're building out large language models And it goes to building infrastructure, not yet worrying about products. And of course, the biggest infrastructure star is a semiconductor, NVIDIA. But as we go through, and I'll keep you in touch on this, if Microsoft Copilot doesn't sell, there is going to be some pushback that the AI bloom will come off that rose. I saw it when the internet bubble popped in the early 2000s. We'll see what happens here. So the next thing I should probably touch on, because I've covered uh, the Magnificent Seven, the key tech stocks, um, Tesla. You know, Tesla is in the Magnificent Seven. I think that's a short. That stock is in a world of hurt. Plus, you know, you got the crazy guy, Elon Musk, right? Says some toxic stuff. Also, the failure at Twitter, now called X. If that company goes bankrupt, which I think it will, you're going to knock the halo off that guy's head. And that's even going to negatively impact Tesla's valuation, but the electric vehicle market is slowing down, right? Still growing, but at a slower rate, they have lots of recalls. And even though they're on the air software recalls, it still is ratcheting up operating expenses while revenues are going down and their operating margin is really been squeezed. They used to have an operating margin, several fold more than Ford and General Motors with the legacy vehicles. Now they have an operating margin that's getting very close to those. The problem for Tesla shareholders is if they're recognized as a Ford or a GM and they don't have uh, this rarefied air, the problem is Ford and GM trade for six or seven times earnings, not 60 times earnings. And so I think if Tesla does not hold a critical support level of 160, if it breaks 160 that stock is going to retrace all the way back to 100 and that's where the stock was at the beginning of 2023 you know the other guys that were there this week advanced micro devices amd a software or sorry a semiconductor company we hope that it'll be able to compete with nvidia with uh, ai related chips remains to be seen I admire the company. The company is really well run under CEO Lisa Su, but, um, they're supposed to ramp out these, uh, products already and they're supposed to be the NVIDIA killer. I'll believe it when I see it, cause it's delayed. And I think some worries about that on their conference call on Tuesday night, spooked some investors and investors did not take that, uh, kindly because in the meantime, you got a company that came to the dance originally, as a competitor to Intel in the PC market. And nobody thinks going forward that the PC market is a growth market. It might've been a growth market in the eighties and nineties, but no longer very mature. The last one I wanna talk about is Alphabet, right? The uh, artist formerly known as Google. And I actually think, and I like to conclude here, all of the Magnificent Seven, I went through them, I think coming out of this week, Alphabet's my better buy. I thought that they had a pretty solid quarter. Uh, Their cloud business grew at 26% year to year, took a lot of share from Amazon Web Services. It looks like we're not going to have a recession in the United States. If we don't have a recession, the market for digital advertising should remain robust and it should help Alphabet and Meta. There were a couple flies in the ointment and uh, Alphabet got hit pretty hard after its uh, conference call. The stock has shown some stability at its 50 day moving average price. So out of all of them, the best fundamental story is Meta, probably followed by Microsoft. But the best value, the one that I would buy today coming out of here is Alphabet. So let me now delve into some tech trends that I see playing out in 2024. So first of all, one of the things that's uh, bothered me in my career, people are always asking me, you know sometimes even at Starbucks, if they noticed me from television the night before, what's the new thing? You know, what little company I haven't heard about will be the next big thing? I will tell you this: in all my years covering tech and it's been a long, long time, the strong get stronger. Yes, there will be some companies that nobody's heard of that will do all the right things in AI and become a player. Cause you think about uh, coming out of the internet bubble in the early two thousands, you know, the uh, largest market cap and most popular tech company was Cisco systems because it was building the plumbing for the internet. It was the data network uh, closing all the internet loops. And then over time, yep. Meta appeared, Alphabet appeared, Amazon appeared. And so, yes, there were some market cap companies that now dominate the scene, right? They all have over a trillion dollar market caps, but most of those small players are zero today. So I will tell you this, I know it sounds lazy. I know it's not that interesting, but most of the time, when you capture a theme like AI, the strong will get stronger. The strong companies have such big balance sheets that uh, they can do mergers and acquisitions, if they can't develop their own innovations, they make so much money and free cash flow that they can fund massive research and development efforts. Everybody wants to work for them because in technology, you don't work for salary, you work for stock options. And those stocks seem to be perpetually going up. So I will tell you this, the strong gets stronger in uh, technology. And let me read you a quote, because I love this one damon runyon damon runyon was a newspaper man and short story writer he lived from 1880 to 1946 he also was a bit of a gambler at the track but listen to this quote he said he wrote the race is not always to the swift nor the battle to the strong but that's the way to bet so remember in technology the strong typically gets stronger and unfortunately i think the same old same old are gonna dominate the AI landscape. There might be a couple of players on the fringe, but yeah, it's gonna be the guys that have already been outed. The next thing I'd like to say is because AI is such an important theme, I think a lot of people have it wrong that they think that AI focused software apps and other AI products are gonna be mainstream this year, 2024. I think that's wrong. I think 2024 will be much like 2023 and most of the time effort and dollars spent will continue to be building out large language models, which is dominated as far as supplying the infrastructure by the semiconductor company, NVIDIA, and then hopefully AMD over time. As I told you before, with my review of Microsoft, I think that if Copilot does not show a nice ramp throughout this calendar year people are going to be really worried that ai apps no matter how cool and useful if they are are not going to be money makers in the meantime 2024 just like last year another year of mostly building llms large language models then we'll get the apps and all the other cool stuff some of that stuff might drip out in the second half of this year but you guys i think it's a uh, 20 25 story. So don't put a lot of cred in, uh, the financial estimates being triggered upwards by people that say they're going to announce these products or they're going to roll out these products any minute. I don't see it happening. Of course, another big trend is, and we saw how it bit apple in the ass with their revenues down 13% in this geography is the battle in the relations between the U S and the Chinese. The Chinese have a five-year plan. And in their five-year plan, uh, it's stipulated, it's there in black and white. There is no question. They wanna be tech dominant or at least less dependent on us with technology. And we thought that we cleaned up this supply chain after COVID, not so fast. And so of course, we might have uh, rhetoric from both parties about China that could be pretty nasty as we uh, get through with the election for the president in November next. So I worry about that. You know, the, uh, wars abroad, um, Hey, I feel for the uh, folks in the Ukraine, but it isn't really strategic to the United States. What can be strategic to the United States is Israel, because believe it or not, uh, there are some companies that are U S companies that are exposed in Israel. Intel, for example, has a fab where they make chips there. And of course, as this war branches out between, Hamas and Israel to pulling in everybody else in the Middle East. It just gets bad and bad. I will tell you that uh, one of the things I tell my students at the Citadel, and I'm a finance and accounting uh, professor there here in Charleston, South Carolina. Yes, the U.S. is number one economy. We're 25% of the world's economy. But if you ignore the other 75%, you're actually in some trouble. And even though there's all this back and forth by the politicians that we're going to, uh, after making a mistake with offshoring, we're going to onshore like all the news about these semiconductor factories are supposed to be built in the States. Um, the problem is we are intertwined with these partners forever deeply if we like it or not. And so when they cough in China, or other key trading partners, we're gonna catch cold and vice versa. Don't think that we're ever gonna be able to be isolated. And I think another good example is as you do know, uh, the current administration has pushed hard for the onshoring of offshore semiconductor production. Intel is gonna build a big fab or manufacturing facility near Columbus, Ohio. Problem is, they announced today it's gonna to be delayed. Taiwan Semiconductor, the world's biggest and best, they are supposed to spend $40 billion to build two fabs outside of Phoenix, Arizona. As they started to uh, dig the dirt, they found out it was going to be a very difficult task, and they have pushed off that product. And then you have the companies that are onshoring in the United States. Yes, you have Intel. You also might have Microsoft, but those are the only two U.S. companies that will produce here the ones that will continue to produce more, even if they are in the United States are Taiwan Semiconductor, Taiwanese company, and Samsung, a South Korean company. So it's gonna be the onshoring of production produced by somebody else. So a lot of people don't realize and it looks like the uh, early foray into building these fabs around the United States is going badly. All these projects have been delayed and delayed a long period of time. I guess the last thing I'd like to mention is it's the biggest thing at all in technology and with other aggressive growth stocks, it's the 80 20 rule. 20% is cool fundamentals that we like to talk about. 80% is interest rates. When interest rates in this country go down, the prices of risky assets like stocks and bonds go up and after ratcheting up rates almost nonstop for two years, from zero to 5.5%, our central bank, the Federal Reserve, will cut rates or begin to cut rates this year. That is 80% of it. I don't think tech stocks can do poorly if that is the direction. The only thing I worry about is the Fed itself says that they are going to lower rates three times this year, one quarter percent each time. The market thinks that in reality, they're gonna be more aggressive. They're going to actually, despite what they say in their pronouncements, they're going to lower rates five or six times at a quarter percentage point each time. What happens if the fed does what it says it's going to do? And the market is expecting more drastic cuts sooner. That could cause a little bit of a a dip in these tech names. And I would buy that dip with both hands because regardless of the timing, it's a happening right interest rates will go down so i don't like to be a macro economist i think it's uh, no fun i get no joy from it but if you're a tech investor or you invest in any aggressive growth stocks you have to have the bet that interest rates are going to lower unfortunately last couple of years straight up straight up to essentially rein in inflation we'll see what happens i also think this year will be very very interest not just with the rhetoric about U S and China, but, uh, you know, as we prep for the madness, which is the elections, we know it's going to be crazy. However, who benefits from that? I'm going to be bored. You know, what uh, listening to, you know, these campaign speeches. However, digital advertising should pop and who dominates digital advertising in this country, alphabet and meta. So, Meta's already done its thing, right? Stock's up 23% today. I still think it's going higher, still among one of my best picks. But uh, Alphabet, my best pick because on its quarterly conference call, the stock dropped significantly, better buying opportunity because if digital advertising is healthy this political season, those companies outsize beneficiaries. So let me take you uh, through my tech buy list. We have, here you go. You know, I'm going to keep this uh, current, right? This is a show where we're trying to make some money. We're calling uh, a spade a spade, right? This is going to be dynamic. We're going to talk about this. So here are some of the ones. Yeah, some of them are expensive. I put together this uh, list last night. And of course, yeah, uh, Meta I got on the list. Do you buy the stock up 23% the very next day? Uh, probably not. But I get ready to buy it. So I have Microsoft, Alphabet, Meta. Supermicro, I think, is very interesting. Supermicro makes uh, customized servers, specifically 60 to 70% of their sales, for AI-driven applications. Micron is America's, and number three in the world, memory chip maker. As you build out these large language models for AI, and even if you put AI on board, the PC or laptop that you sell to everybody else, It's gonna have a voracious demand for memory and Micron should do quite well after a couple of years in the crapper. I like Synopsys. Synopsys is a software semiconductor design company, right? Even the engineers at Intel need to design the chips first on software. That market is dominated by Synopsys and a company called Cadence Design Systems, CDNS. I prefer Synopsys. I've mentioned AMD. NVIDIA is another stock that has skyrocketed. It was up three times, threefold in 2023. But you know what? I'd still buy NVIDIA. I'd still buy Meta over most tech stocks because the numbers will continue to rise. And if you have rising estimates for revenue and earnings per share on Wall Street, the stock can only go up. Mercado Libre, M E L I, is kind of interesting. This is the South American Amazon. Company's actually based in Uruguay, but it does business all over uh, Latin America and it is a very well managed company and they're doing quite well. The uh, cyber security company that I've uh, settled in with, you know, there's five or six choices is I like CrowdStrike. And lastly, I like ServiceNow. ServiceNow is a software company that if we do have some cool AI software apps, they'll be front and center. I prefer ServiceNow to Oracle. I prefer ServiceNow to Workday. So that is kind of my dream team, but things always change, right? And so uh, stay tuned, come back. I will be highlighting this thing every time. And I will tell you before I close, uh, one thing that I look at for companies when they report the results, and one of the reasons that I'm still bearish on Nvidia and Meta, it's called the cockroach theory. The cockroach theory can be good or bad in investing. Think about this, it's the middle of the night, you're thirsty, you go down to the uh, kitchen, you flip the light to get into the refrigerator and you see a roach scurry across the kitchen floor. Do you think when you see that roach that there's just one? Of course you don't. If you see one, you know there's gonna be more. So on a good basis, when a company blows out to the upside, Wall Street analyst estimates. What typically happens is there's more roaches. They typically have a string of quarters in a row, sometimes a lot of them, in which the good tidings, the positive surprises continue. On the other hand, you have a company that misses its uh, guidance, misses the Wall Street estimates. We call that a negative earnings surprise. With my cockroach theory, when they have one negative earnings surprise, even though on the conference call, the management says, oh, it's just a temporary thing. One negative surprise. More than one roach leads to many more negative surprises. And the stock goes down and down and down and down. So remember the cockroach theory. Uh, hopefully you laugh on this show. We better uh, give you some good intel on tech stocks, actionable ideas. And hopefully we laugh our asses off. So with that, you guys, let's keep it going. I'll see you next Friday afternoon, uh, two o'clock Eastern time here on Benzinga's YouTube channel. And I'm pumped to deliver. If you have any questions, comments, any suggestions for what you wanna see on this show going forward, please let us know. And best wishes from Benzinga. Come back to Paul Meeks and Tech Tune Up with Paul Meeks. We'll be